0: Welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. You know what it is. It is a Wednesday edition of the show, getting you through that hump day, getting you a day closer to the weekend and a day closer to the NFL draft. We're just over two weeks now, and today our main focus is ranking the top defensive tackle prospects in the 2022 NFL draft numbers whatever we're talking about players and Heck skill yeah. sets my name is matt matera and with me is a man that is so great at scouting so giant in his biceps that they couldn't even <laughs> measure him if he went to the combine it is john ledger john welcome back to the podcast we've missed you
1: thank you matt uh glad to be here glad to be back on the pod it was only one day that i missed this week but i know i missed one last week and or two last week i think and everybody was kind of oh like where is this guy? What's he doing lately? And, uh, you know, nothing. <laughs> that's the <key>. game <laughs> off these Tuesdays. Cause I got a scout. I have nothing. I'm not, I don't have no life. I'm uh, watching well, all these defensive tackles getting ready for this draft and you guys are doing a great job. You're doing more content and more podcasts recently. And I am, much well, yeah, much that's tape the thing, John can.
0: is, you know, you're so great at what you do with, with all of this analysis of not just the defensive tackles, but you know, all of the, the prospects in this year's draft uh, across the board, but, you know, we, we can let you focus on that, and luckily, Peter Report is so talented that we got so many different characters and individuals that can come in if if you're not able to to make a show because you're scouting 18. and you have other things going on in your life. So we have missed you, even though it was just one episode. It seems like it's been longer. But as you mentioned, you were gone for a, a couple last week, yeah, a couple yeah, a couple too. episodes yeah. last week. But, yeah, um, yeah, it's we, been. Uh,
1: I'm I'm ready to get into it, man. Like we're getting close to the draft, and I'm ready to start talking some scouting and some of these prospects. And Scott and I've been doing it a little bit, but we're gonna dive deep into the defensive tackle class uh, today. And then I know at some point soon we're doing running backs as well. I know some fans are really anxious to hear that one uh, and get our thoughts on some of these running backs as well. So yeah, we're gonna be diving deep into some of these talent pools, especially positions we expect the Bucks to pick from. But I think first, Matt, we almost have to look at some of the visits, right? We have to update people yes. on. I don't know if any everybody's read the tracker over at profile, or at, over at our site, that pewter report. I think everybody would it would behoove everybody to go over there and check out that tracker. It has now. I've put it all in one place for people. Top thirty visits for the Bucks. So that's those are the thirty prospects that they bring in for a visit. They're allowed to bring in thirty uh, for per the NFL rules. The local prospects that have come in for a visit. I didn't put all the local prospects because there's like small school guys and all kinds of guys that people aren't going yeah. to know who they are, but I've tried to put a handful of significant names that I think people should know on there. And then um, a couple of prospects that they've zoomed with that we've learned about uh, or someone else has learned about and, and, and has reported um, combination of those things, Jelani uh, Woods, the tight end uh, from Virginia. He's twice uh, he's been uh, he's met with the bucks via zoom. And so that's a sign for some interest there. We'll talk about um, some more of the tight end prospects on another show as well, but there's some of that in there. And then I also moved the combine tracker over there, too. So everybody want to know who do they meet with the combine again? It's all in one place now. So go over to PeterReport.com. Check that out because I think that information is really important. There's a lot of reasons why those visits happen, Matt. It doesn't necessarily mean that the team will draft a player, but it's great for everybody to talk about education for the fans and to be stuff to be aware of great page to bookmark and come back to in free agency. You know, who do they like? Who do they bring in? Who no, they, John, they I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm glad you did because I was even thinking to myself, like we were there at the combine and I was still like, wait a second. Did they talk to this guy? Cause you know, they, they, talked to somebody, <laughs> especially like the running back position, you know, where they, it seems like they spoke to every single running back. It was like, okay, well yeah. wait, hold on James cook. Yes. They spoke to James cook. Like, uh, you know, you name it across the board they they you know they had someone but yeah yeah Yeah. so i'm glad you brought that up
1: yeah it's been a significant amount of interest in a lot of these positions but none more than running back and tight end it seems like the team has zeroed in on some of that so before we get into the defensive tackle class we'll get through some of these comments here too uh we uh, Yeah,
0: some super chats already. Some super
1: chats already, yes. Uh, appreciate the supply and demand, the good scouting report. Uh, hoping to see Noah Ellis. Yeah, Scott mentioned Noah Ellis is another name that we could put on there to potentially think about. I don't think Scott's a big fan of him, but uh, another name I could potentially scout it. The trickiest thing with scouting when you also cover a team is that you know you can't do 400 prospects. So one of the hardest yeah. things is where do you draw <laughs> the line? Where do you stop watching players and hope that you didn't miss anybody that's good? And that's where I really rely on people like Lance Zierlein and Dane Brugler and uh, Profitable Focus and Mike Renner and that crew and and their boards, looking at their boards that are published and kind of saying, okay, if I average out these boards, who are guys that if all of them see these players, as sixth, seventh round priority free agent type players, am I missing out on something? What are the chances of missing out on something if they, don't, I don't read their evaluations until I'm done with mine. I just look at the actual board and I see, okay, they have a sixth great round grade on this guy. If I don't watch them, I don't get to him. Am I really going to be missing something? Because it's all about prioritizing time when you also cover a team and you want to get through, I'd love to get through at least 150 to 200 prospects, even in this class. So I've got some idea of these guys enough, like a seen a game or something like that, but not enough to like say I completed their evaluation and Noelis is one of those guys. They were all not very high on Noelis, so we'll see uh, what ends up happening with him in the yeah. NFL. Uh,
0: should we give a shout out to? Yeah, I was about to say shout out to Leo. Thank you very much for the super chat, and thank you to everyone that's been giving us super chats since you know we started this podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you give us a super chat, we will make sure we answer it and answer it um, at the forefront. Leo says, "I just have to say, I hate these new Brady rumors. It just makes him look awful. Uh, until he does something with his contract, these rumors will not die." Uh, I'm guessing he means just more of the whole, oh, he, you know, tried to get his way into Miami and everything and until the lawsuits came out. And that's why yeah. that plan, you know, some people, I've said this before and I'll say it again, some people just want to believe a prediction or mm. an assumption that they've made so badly that they will keep digging and digging and try to connect any dots they can yeah. when there's just not a story there. I mean, we right. pointed to it a million times. Brady was at the press conference when Bruce Aarons retired, and they introduced Todd Bowles as the head coach. Brady was recruiting Russell Gage, FaceTiming mm-hmm. him. If he really cared that much, and if he really wanted to go to Miami, why is he recruiting a talented receiver yeah, to the Buccaneers uh, that's only going to help them this year?
1: I think the rumors are, you know, the, the stories that are being reported as news that are not news, that are actual rumors that are as you and i've read and talk, talked about some too or just literally dot connecting um which you can make up a million different scenarios yeah no proof or evidence or things like that you know it's just so it's just really unfortunate but unfortunately in today's world that is what passes as news in a lot of circles you know not in our circle for sure And to their credit, not in NFL network circles, ESPN circles, you've noticed that some of those ones that actually care about credibility to a degree, I'm not excusing them of all past transgressions or anything like that, but to the degree that they're like, nah, we know what the truth is in this situation. And we aren't going to (laughs) ride with this story, even though it would bring in massive amounts of clicks and be potentially the story of the year at a place like that. They have not, they have actually, they have not only have they not reported these things, they have actually said, these just these stories are just not true. Like the, Jeff Darlington went on Pro Football Focus's podcast recently. He said it, people have the story, the timeline all mixed up. He said, that's what's wrong with the story. Remember, Darlington's reported pretty much everything close to Brady, including his retirement before Brady uh, announced it. And um, he said, you know, the, the problem people have with the situation that they don't understand is that the timelines all screwed up. Brady 100% walked away from football because he really thought he was done with football. Like Darlington was clear about that. He said, I have absolutely zero question about that, was what Darlington said. He said, I 100% know that's why Brady walked away from football. A, because retirement doesn't leverage him at all in the situations that are described often in these reports. But what he said was then, at that point, Brady was looking at all kinds of options in terms of his post-football career. One of those options was potentially becoming somewhat involved in an NFL front office, and he has the most connections to the Dolphins because of relationships he's had in the past with somebody who's, uh, I forget the name now, but somebody who's affiliated there, a part owner there, or something like that. So there were what Darlington described as like very laid-back preliminary conversations with Brady and about like, oh, what would it look like for you to become an executive or a part owner or something like that? ultimately brady just quickly after like two weeks kind of had the itch to play again was basically in communication with the bucks the whole time about coming back to play and then finally was like you know what i'm I'm, i want to do this for sure all these other things there was a movie that was being talked about with brady you know obviously stuff with his companies all that stuff he was just kind of looking at all those post-playing options and now it's been turned into actually brady wanted to go play in Miami which yeah, is the funniest thing in the world to me of all the places Matt, <laughs> they got like the worst offensive line and draft track record of any team in the league their owner is and this is a little inside perspective for people by the other 31 teams their owner is generally looked at Stephen ross is generally looked at as the worst owner in the nfl And you're telling me this is the dude that Brady wants to go finish out his career playing for behind arguably the worst offensive line in NFL history. And even if they made moves, come on. It isn't all going to get fixed in one year. That is just one of the more comical storylines that I have ever – I've never seen a more comical storyline. I don't think that people have actually taken as truth in some regard in all the years that I've spent covering. Well, it's It's that, John,
0: and it's that. And he made the TikTok where – like he it showed receivers show Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill who are now both well Hill is now a Miami Dolphin it showed them right. like their speed and then he was running with his kids so that kind of like added a little more to it but I mean you see
1: surely you see, Brady could have predicted right. that they would trade yeah. for
0: Tyreek Hill <laughs> it was not even well no 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 I, available I think right. it happened after Hill got traded is, right. so yeah, that's what, yeah yeah but also too I mean there's been plenty of retired nfl players i know brady is now unretired but there's been plenty of players that have talked about wanting to have future ownership like peyton manning those rumors come up every what every other year when he's not doing some type of broadcast or doing the manning cast i know curtis martin hall of fame running back great new york jet um and a guy from pittsburgh uh went to the same high school he went to taylor I same high school yeah. as uh mac miller r.i.p and Wiz khalifa mm-hmm. but anyway like he's talked about wanting to be uh, an NFL owner so this isn't the sure. first time that you know no that that part's have... not
1: surprising or weird yeah you know how hard it is to become an NFL owner it doesn't matter what the franchise is if you have an, if you want that and you might have the opportunity to become even a small part owner you right. just have to take the best opportunity for it, it doesn't matter what the organization is it's very is. rare across the it's board a, like it doesn't matter move, what right.
0: it doesn't yeah it doesn't yeah. matter what sport it's very right. difficult because once you're an owner you essentially right. own the team for a very long time
1: completely different than the hypothetical oh he also then wanted to somehow leverage this into a trade and unretire and play for the dolphins that is the part and then he'll just
0: be a player coach and he will be rating getting into
1: ownership of the dolphins or whatever organization he's most connected with at some point after his playing career is very possible and wouldn't surprise me nor would i care what happens in that regard but as a player that is absolutely ridiculous if he was going to continue his playing career it was always going to be in Miami Darlington even said this but I think at this point hopefully most people had shot it down to pay attention to the news but Brady was never even interested in San Francisco that much period even the first time he was free agent because of how far away it was like that was he really never wanted to go that far away from where Jack is in new york he always yeah. wanted to be a little bit closer and it to be a little bit easier of a flight um so that he could kind of come back and forth a lot easier um on the weekends and things like that so mm-hmm. that was always a huge priority so it's just a lot of these rumors but the part that gets me i laugh at him you may laugh at him matt the part that frustrates me is that what it says about news reporting in general these days like the fact that we don't need things to be true to report them like that shouldn't be the case like we need to be careful and responsible about what we do and we just aren't as a group anymore collectively. Um, there are certainly places that are. This is a minor thing in comparison to bigger deals that are that are happen every day. But I do think it's a I think it's a, the general principle is a huge deal. And we should make a big deal out of it, honestly, as people who aren't you're know, hopefully never going to participate in that kind of journalism, because um, honestly, it's, it's not really journalism at all, in my
0: opinion yeah the um, problem is people believe anything really yeah people believe anything and then you run and, with we, it and it's that, like the, oh right you, and that's why well, we got to be responsible clearly what the case is yeah right
1: and that's why we got to be responsible like i know what gets reactions and clicks and attention but we have to be better than that and we have to be able to report truth uh in reality um otherwise yeah we i mean in my mind like just the amount of people who've lost credibility just by buying into any of this is, is that this is obviously obviously grown i think um Let's get to some of these questions. Uh, Robbie, yeah. with the $5 Super Chat, would you prefer the box top three picks be Travis Jones, Cameron Thomas, and Cam Taylor-Britt, or Devontae Wyatt, Martin Emerson, and Damian Pierce? I would rather be the second comment. Okay, that's I haven't seen Emerson, too. so full disclosure there. I have not watched Emerson yet. Scott likes him. Um, Wyatt, though, yeah. I mean, that's a player that I would want to see in Tampa Bay, and Pierce is, too. I'm not really sure about any of the players in the first three picks. I, I really am not a huge Cameron Thomas fan from what I've seen. I don't know what he's even going to do. I don't know that he is athletic enough to play on the edge in the NFL, and he's not an even tackle. What do you come in at the combine, 265 or something like that? and Yeah, I have so, to double um, check. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be feeling that first draft too much, to be honest with you. Yeah,
0: I, I would just say too. Between those two, like with the second option, you're getting a top one or two defensive tackle on the board right. with Wyatt. So I don't think you can go wrong with that. And um, Damien Pierce, a lot of us like him. Scott was against him, but now he's coming around to him. I've always liked right. Pierce. I think um, you, you know he might not be the fastest guy, but I think he hits the whole hard. He's a physical guy, pretty solid. Uh, pass blocker and we always know I know Bruce Aarons is still I gotta get used to being like oh Bruce Aarons isn't the head coach anymore it's Todd Bowles um, but nonetheless the Bucks' offense requires uh running backs to be able to uh pass block and, and get that job done and I also think too just he would make a great locker room presence like he just oozes out confidence and bravado and I don't think every single player has that but he just Seems yeah. so comfortable with himself, and maybe that doesn't naturally translate onto the field. There's but a little
1: just, nacho to his personality, there
0: is a little bit of nacho to it, and yeah. I think that can only really help a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't be That's what They should call him. yeah, that wouldn't be too bad.
1: Uh, we got some good questions about the top 30 list. Let's talk about some of these top 30 guys so that people can kind of have a good idea. Okay, listen, to the amount of running backs that are on this top 30 visits list um isaiah spiller from texas a&m most people think it's going to be a third round pick maybe hassan haskins from michigan will probably be a day three pick uh rashad white from arizona state uh, another guy probably a day three pick uh brian robinson from alabama probably a day three pick james Mm. cook from georgia there's some reports he going round two there's some reports will go around four it just depends who you talk to um those are five running backs that have all had top 30 visits with the box and then uh, Damian Pierce and Malik Davis from Florida have both had local visits with the Bucs. And so has Jerome Ford from Cincinnati. Um, he's also had a local visit with the Bucs the running back. So, and they've met via Zoom with Pierre Strong, the South Dakota state running back. And then of course, at the combine, as Matt and I reported from Indy, they met with 10 running backs, at least that we found out 10 and yeah. Rashad white was a formal. And I know that there were a lot of others that were, we assumed were formals players weren't sure, or, you know, they maybe had formals later, but clearly the bucks have gone into this even after now Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard and they have said we are doing our due diligence they're still bringing a running backs for visits they have not canceled these visits so there is definite interest <laughs> here for the bucks part in drafting a running back potentially
0: yeah absolutely and again going back to the combine like I remember speaking to Rashad White and he confirmed that he had a formal interview and mm-hmm. I think he would be a player that would be quite interesting on the bucks uh, again um, he's He even admitted he wasn't the best pass blocker, but he said it's all about heart and the willingness to do it, and he's able to do that. I think he could really provide a great uh, great help as far as you know being a, a guy with speed that can get to the outside, but also help out in the receiving game. But I think it shows, too, like the Bucks understand Leonard Fournette's going to be the bell cow, and he's the number one guy, but that's for the immediate future, and that's this year. It kind yeah. of shows, well, one, Giovanni Bernard's only on a one-year deal, so he could... This could be his swan song or at least sure. his last year in Tampa. It might not. Who knows? He could sign for another year, but you can't just assume these things. You can't put all your eggs in one basket, and that's not a pun because Easter is coming up this Sunday. Happy Easter to anyone that celebrates. And um, But I, I think it shows, too, that they aren't necessarily giving up, but they're not over the moon with mm-hmm. Keyshawn sneak Vaughn because yeah. if you really had that much confidence in him – are you really bringing in yep. these many running backs to be what yep. essentially is going to be your number four running back? I don't think so. I think there could be some good competition between whoever they draft. And it looks like they're going to draft someone just based on the millions and millions of running backs that they yeah. brought in. Sneak Vaughn could really be on the hot seat this year.
1: You know, Matt, you bring up a couple of good points. A, yes, if they clearly were all about Sneak Vaughn, would they really be looking to draft? I mean – I just don't know how he's not going to play. If you draft, if you draft a running back second or third round, when's he going to play? Like if, when sneak Vaughn going to play, cause you're not going to sit that that's a second or third round pick at a position that is supposed to start fast in the NFL.
0: Yeah. I, and he had flashes, you know, he had that big touchdown run against Carolina. And... Right. I mean,
1: you don't have to sell us on being low on Vaughn. We're, we're obviously yeah. not crazy about him, but I mean, yeah. Like what did you last year? He you know, took baby steps and I agree. It doesn't look like he's going to be the guy. And so getting another running back in, Makes sense to some degree. But now Fournette's under contract. Like, you don't have to worry about him being a free agent. If that's your guy, yeah. like, you know, playing B is Vaughn and or you draft a running back next year. I am out on drafting a running back, Scott, or, uh, Mark, or Matt, for the box. I just don't really think it's that important. I should have said Scott really? there because Scott would argue with me because Scott probably wants him to draft a running back because he's all about running the football more. But I I just don't know what the value is of that player. Like, what's the value of that player early on in his contract? When's he going to play? You have Leonard Fournette. You have Giovanni Bernard for this year. You have Keyshawn Vaughn. Obviously, if injuries happen, but you can are, say are that you, every Are you saying in,
0: in this window of since they have Leonard Fournette under contract, or are you just it, talking about in general, you would yeah. never draft the running back?
1: No, 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 before? no, no. Just uh, this year in the draft, I just wouldn't. I don't think I'd draft a running back. Like, I don't yeah, know I'm, where. Uh, it's not, already I'm the not... least important position. Only one plays at a time. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but Fournette's an owl down back now, and you have Bernard and you have Vaughn. I just. I don't really yeah, think it's know that big what? of a deal I, I, don't,
0: I don't necessarily disagree with you. Like, I, I'd be cool if the Bucks still did. I think running back overall is just a pretty entertaining, uh, you know, position. And while it's the least important, it's still, you know, it still has some type of impact and factor on the team. But – um, Yeah, like to your point, they could just, again, be in the situation next year where it's like, all right, well, we know we got Leonard Fournette. And again, if Bernard's not there, just draft the rookie this year and see what that guy can do. Because you're only getting four years out of them, and then you're essentially moving on. That's just the nature of right. what the That's NFL has right. come to. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you.
1: And there's good backs in every draft. So if I'm drafting one, I want to draft one when I need one. I don't want to draft one, you know, not that I have nobody else in the roster, but I don't want to draft one after I've made Fournette a fringe top 10 paid running back per year. Like, I want to, I want that to be my guy for the next couple of years. And then, you know, when his contract's up, uh, then, you know, I'm looking to draft somebody else for sure. But, like, right now, I wouldn't be looking to spend a high pick. You know, if it's a day three pick, I can live with that. Um, but I wouldn't be looking to spend a premium pick on a running back yeah. this year. And maybe they're just doing their due diligence, but it sure feels like that position, Matt. And it sure feels like tight end, too. You know, that's the other one. Um, and Common Sense, I think, brings up a great point. These tight ends aren't good enough to reach for. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be reaching for these tight ends either to be honest with you. Like, to me, I don't think there's any tight end in this class worth taking before you get down closer to the Bucks third round pick. Now, if they if they did one with their second round pick with it's a late second, you know, I would like to see how the board falls. I'm not going to lose my mind over it, but I don't really see a difference-making tight end in this class. And if you go ahead and pull out a piece of paper for anybody who's watching, write down your top 5 tight ends and 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 you know, maybe even <laughs> extend it to your top 7 tight ends in the league then extend that list out to your top 30 and let me know how minimal the difference is. I've done this before. That's why between number eight or nine and number 25, it just is not a significant difference. So if you're not getting one of those premium guys, you don't have to spend a high pick on that position. You can live with something else at that position. Even just doing the scouting, I'm like, you know, Trey McBride's probably going to go by the end of the second and Jeremy Rucker might go by the end of the third. And I don't know that I know for sure that Jeremy, I don't feel super confident, like confident enough to bet a whole, uh, the 60th pick when there are probably better players on the board in taking a guy like McBride over, like at that point in the draft when there could be other players that are better available on the board that have better ceilings, that being impactful players that influence winning more so than a solid tight end, but no ceiling.
0: That's yeah mcbride mcbride would be the one guy that i would take a flyer on in the second round because i think he's probably the most suited for you know to be able to do a little bit of everything um for this team uh, is just coming from the you know the run heavy the run heavy uh mm-hmm. offense that he came in and didn't really get to show off his, his passing skills too much but then i thought he did quite well in, in Mobile and uh in indy i thought you know tested pretty well right Rucker too is a guy that I really want to like you know he's from Long Island I should be like a big fan of him and I put on the tape and I was like all right this guy's solid I think he could be like your typical third string tight end that gets mm. in at goal line or fills in as a number two if you need an extra tight end like I wasn't and granted he was on an Ohio State offense that has You know, skill player, three three first round wide outs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Skill players out the wazoo, just like nonstop. So I understand he's not going to get too many opportunities. He had one great catch. I think it was in a college football playoff or it might have been the one hander. Yeah, yeah. The one hander. So like that was nice, but Gus Johnson on the call. Yeah, he's definitely. <laughs> yeah, oh! repeat, what <laughs> head are you kidding me? You know, something like, like that. He like yeah.
1: screamed. He was like,
0: "Oh!" <laughs> got shot in the booth. <laughs> but not yeah, but nonetheless, like I don't, I don't see him going right anywhere. Like you can't even really think about him until minimum the third round. Even right. then, with the the Bucks and the positions that they need, the positions that they're looking to fill, I still think like tight end. I don't even think until fourth round is when they should be considering it.
1: Really? So you you draft a running back over tight end? Do you think? See, I see tight end as actually uh, a need. Like,
0: uh, yeah, th- no. Even if Gronk I, I plays, mean, like
1: he could get hurt.
0: He yeah, can... I, I, no. I was I wasn't comparing just running back okay. to tight end In that position. I was just just as an overall. No, I yeah, would go tight end. Was. I would okay. go tight end before running back. Yeah, so, yeah so, based on based on need, based on. Yeah, you got Brayton, and Gronk, Gronk and Brait, and then after yeah. that, you know, there's not too much. So.
1: Here's the tight end list for the Bucs in terms of visits. Top 30 visits with Kate Otten from Washington, who I'm not crazy about. I have an early fourth round grade on him. I know some Lance Ewell has him tight end one. I, I don't see that. Um, there's some other guys who like him in the third round. I just if he end of the fourth, you know, if he's there for the Bucks fourth round pick, sure. End of the third, I mean it's such a late third that I I can't hate on it, but yeah, I, he wouldn't be my top choice in this group. Uh Trey McBride is the other guy who's coming for a top thirty visit. Then, um, you know, I don't know if any visited locally, it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Then, Jelani Woods has had two hour long Zoom calls with the Bucks, so something to note there. Um, just that he is there has been kind of some interest there at the combine. They had formals with Trey McBride and Daniel Bellinger that we know of from San Diego State. They met with Ruckert and Austin Allen, the Nebraska tight end. We don't know whether those interviews are formal or informal, so that's the kind of degree of their interest that they've shown in the tight end group. I'm I said this on Monday, I still think it's true. I wish I knew more about the Bucks' feelings on Rucker. I don't. That's the one I'm kind of in the dark. He fits them perfectly, in my opinion, but I don't know if they like him. But McBride, uh, McBride, uh, Jelani Woods or K. Daughton, I really think one of those guys will be a Buccaneer. I don't know which one, but I think one of those guys
0: will be a Buccaneer. Uh, not just because the one... of their
1: interest in him, but
0: yeah, Woods was there. the one, if I'm not mistaken, he led Trying the tight ends game. in the, uh, Oh, in the Shrine Game, was thinking, he was at the
1: Shrine. Yeah, you're thinking of uh, Weidermeyer? Are you thinking of Widermeyer,
0: Maybe wasn't it a Virginia he, Tech tight end that he like dominated during the bench press?
1: Uh, Woods is Virginia. Uh, Virginia oh, yeah, Tech that, tight end was James Mitchell. Did I think? he? he uh, might have yeah, dominated I, the
0: I'm, bench. I'm getting my players mixed up. By
1: Woods might. did dominate the bench, though, I think he. Had, yeah, he just crushed the combine in general. And yeah, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah,
0: I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the right guy. Yeah, he. Yeah, thought, yeah he. He's, he dominated the the bench press i think overall yeah.
1: we got some jelaney woods fans in the chat here there Supply we go man jelaney is better than mcbride brady's touchdowns will go up so much yeah funny thing about mcbride is that he caught 91 passes last year and and that level of competition obviously playing at colorado state playing their schedule and he caught one touchdown matt yeah one well touchdown.
0: so he talked about that there's actually an article that i wrote on peterreport.com you guys should check it out right. but he actually oh my god Nope.
1: Are you watching the Mets, are you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a couple um, facial expressions.
0: Yeah, no, sorry, I'm focused. But Robbie yeah, Leary
1: called you out. He watched he the Mets man. <laughs>
0: um, no, but he he actually spoke about, he wasn't giving an excuse, but he was asked about, like, why was there such a lack of, of touchdowns and everything, and he essentially said, like, yeah, listen, we went in a very run-heavy scheme. When we mm-hmm. got to the goal line, we ran the ball. We didn't really pass it that much, and that's why – I wasn't going to complain, you know, we got down there first enough. I'm I'm a team first guy. So, you know, the ball didn't really come my way because we were running it the whole time. It wasn't really because of a lack of effort or anything like that. And then you look at the senior bowl, he scored a touchdown in the senior bowl. So um, I actually I wouldn't be as worried about the lack of touchdowns as some people might be. That's why you got to watch the tape and not just look at the the box score, because there's a lot more that explains to it. If you're a team that runs the ball 85% of the time, yeah, you're probably not going to get too many opportunities or too many passes thrown your way when it's, uh, you know, when, when you're in the end zone. So I wouldn't be too worried about that with McBride. I still think he's the top guy uh, as far as tight end goes. And it's, it's his group to lose
1: if you are looking for a wide tight end in this class, like a typical a guy that can play in line and maybe be a little more position flex. Like I do think he's probably still the top guy, although I like Rucker a lot too. The big difference for me is just that the vertical ability that, he has I think is something that McBride has not that Rucker doesn't have that by the way I think Rucker is fast he didn't we didn't get to see him he didn't test at all Mm -hmm. so we don't we don't know he never was asked to go down the field as a receiver so we also don't know from that perspective but I watched one tape twice he chased the play from behind and I said wow this guy can move I I think people are sleeping you know McBride ran four five six at a pro day so I'm not going crazy I think he's probably a mid four sixes guy which is about but normal speed for a tight end, so I think that's probably what he's about. Um, but he gets after as a blocker, good player. A little bit frustrating, he doesn't do anything after the catch. Like 91 catches, he forced five missed tackles last season. And right, that's per PFF, and rockert forced same amount of missed tackles in 26 <laughs> catches. So, and you can see it with McBride. Like I just, he's so physical as a blocker. I just hoped it would translate as a as a post catch receiver. And it just didn't translate.
0: John, what, uh, what Trey McBride could have used before he ran his 40 yard dash was probably Oh, oh, thank you, Willie Butler for the, for the super chat. We'll get to that in a second. But what he probably could have used, uh, right before he ran his 40 yard dash is a Celsius energy drink.
1: Hmm. He could have, and look at all the awesome flavors that are up here. You can see the wild berry there in the right hand corner. That's what I'm drinking today, Matt. A little
0: celsius i got guava. the uh, i got the sparkling mango passion fruit which i will show oh yeah that's
1: one coffee. of the newer ones great yes, choice. It great is. choice you got the sparkling strawberry guava the fuji apple pear tropical vibe orange there's a bunch of great new flavors that are out too that people are checking out and you can do that you can use the store locator on celsius.com to figure out where these awesome energy drinks are near you or you can go click on the banner ads at pewterreport.com do the amazon subscribe and save option with celsius you get these wonderful energy drinks mine's the twelve ounce can, and it and gotta drink them cold, in my opinion. Just, just my opinion. Maybe not yeah. everybody shares. It, no, right? I'm with you. You with me? Okay. And zero sugar, no sugar in these energy drinks. It's awesome. Gives you energy, accelerates metabolism, burns body fat. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm big fan of uh, Celsius, and I think it's the first energy drink I've I've actually ever drank, and I've done it consistently now. So, John, I got awesome I got a stuff. funny
0: story for you. My Celsius or just Celsius in general, is so hot in the streets and so wanted that the latest case of Celsius that I got about a month ago was stolen and was a part of a crime scene. I kid what? you not. So What? you and I, <laughs> I told Scott this story. He was laughing. So uh, we were at the Combine together. Yes. I flew back a day early because I was going on uh, another trip that's about a three hour drive away. So when I landed from my flight from Indy to back in Tampa, I had about 20 minutes before I was going to on my three hour mm-hmm. car ride. So I had gotten a message in that time being like, Oh, uh, you got, you got, uh, you, you got mail downstairs. Like there's this whole locker room and everything. My whole yeah. car was packed and everything. I'm like, Oh like damn it. I forgot. So I put the box of Celsius cause it, it's a big box. Like I, mm-hmm. I, and my whole car was packed. So I just put it right. on top of the lockers because people do that. It's not like a, right. a random ass thing. But anyway, so I get back from my trip a couple of days later. The next day I get a knock on the door from like the Hillsborough County Sheriff at like eight in the morning. I'm like just waking up and they're like, Hey, uh, were you the owner of like this this package of Celsius? And I'm like, Yeah, Celsius, live fit. Like, well, she's like, Oh, uh <laughs> you're you're uh you're, like, pitching it. Yeah, I was. And she was like, Um, the officer was like, You're your package along with multiple others was found at a crime scene where like apparently someone stole a car and they stole like all these packages in my apartment <laughs> complex and the Celsius was in there. So long story short, a couple days later, they, they put it into evidence. I had to like go drive to this like out in the boonies in Hillsborough <laughs> County and go pick up my Celsius. But I did get my Celsius thank you That's it is incredible. back it is safe it is secured but They're yeah just... celsius is celsius is so hot in the streets people are you know trying to steal it from my own my favorite life.
1: part is like a stolen car like you're planning that out right most yeah. i mean i guess maybe not in all situations i have no experience stealing cars but like you're probably planning that Neither out but celsius you just grabbing it so legitimately this is just like one of those commercials where like the thief is like running or whatever. And then they like see the Celsius and they got to have it. Like, and they really, yeah, I can, I can see
0: them like going back to the car and be like, Oh, the Celsius, like get back one last time. And <laughs> circle probably, back. The yeah. cops
1: are hot on my trail. I'll circle back for that liquid beverage. The box <laughs> <need> too. It <laughs> had, it
0: had a red tape, like evidence and everything too. I've since thrown it out, but That's I, awesome. I would have shown it. But anyway, That's let's get awesome. back to the show. Thank you again to Celsius is, for being a, a sponsor. Uh, super chat from William Butler and shout out William Butler with the, uh, the Hasabula. Uh, picture there i think that's Hasbula. big fan of Hospula. Uh, but he says just draft a wideout in the first round you know what william i'm not against that i'm kind of all for it flood the position make sure you have no issues in terms of depth at wide receiver we've talked about it a ton how it screwed over the bucks in the playoffs last year when he had no ab you had no surreal grayson chris godwin was obviously out you didn't have rashad perryman um i think you know if you have the most talent, probably seven out of ten times you're going to win. I love tra- Trey Mc. Uh, I was about to say Trey McBride, Traylon Burks. Um, you love all the Trey's.
1: Trey Burks, yeah. Trey McBride.
0: He hunts boars. Scott obviously yeah. is uh, very high on that. I-, I think there's something to be said about someone that is willing to kill another animal with their <laughs> bare hands, knowing that you could die as easily at the same exact time. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great options at wide receiver, so I'm all for the Bucks going with the receiver in the first round.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 for this as well. Uh, if the right player is there, I don't think he will be though. It seems like we are trending in the wide receivers and quarterbacks are moving up the boards direction, which could mean defensive tackles and guards are falling down the board. I believe that's plausible, so that could be the direction that we're headed. We could be headed in more of a Zion Devontae Wyatt direction. I don't know about Zion, I. I don't know whether they're going to draft him. I know how I feel about him. Anyway, we got to get to the defensive tackles on this list, but I do want to answer one more question here, see if I can find it. There was a good question here. Oh, here we go. Josh asks, John and Matt, what player do you the Bucks like that you fear they may reach for? Hmm. hmm. In the first round, I'm guessing this is?
0: That's a good question. Logan
1: Hall or McBride in the first round, I would say. I don't think they'll take either of them in the first round, but again, this is reaching, and this is who I what I fear could happen.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily know about like a player, but I I agree with you in terms of like if they pick a tight end anywhere in the first round, Mm -hmm. I'll lose it. If they pick a running back before the third round, I would lose it. I don't know if there's necessarily a specific player at the moment where I'm like, I just I'm so much not a fan of this guy that Mm -hmm. I would. I would lose. I mean, I'm sure yeah. certainly there's players that I like more than others, but I wouldn't necessarily... Kenyon Green would be
1: I wouldn't be crazy I was thinking about
0: I was thinking yeah. Green. It's like, all right, you got Zion, but if you don't go with Zion, then yeah. stay away from if Green. If Zion's there, I'll be furious. And I, I think the Bucks have showed that though, right? Because they, they didn't meet with him, they didn't have any uh you know formal type of things with them, didn't bring yeah. him in. So it seems like they're kind of chill with uh with Kenyon Green as well. Here's what I can none. say about McBride.
1: I would rather have Ruckert at the end of the third round than McBride in the first or the second. Like that's yeah, easy to me to say that. That's easy for me to say that. If you can, if yeah, you could tell me could you're getting two players, you know, obviously it doesn't mean I like who they draft, but in a vacuum, that's how I feel about it. I don't feel strongly enough that McBride is much better than Ruckert to, to want him around earlier than where I could just get Ruckert. If I just waited, I could get Rucker, and I don't feel like there's going to be a massive difference. I, that could obviously come back to bite me big time because Rucker has like 26 catches in his most productive college season just because he wasn't used at all. And yeah. so McBride is 91, obviously big difference, but there's questions with McBride. So anyway. That's how I feel about that. All right, let's get to the defensive tackles in this class. We will answer as many questions as we can as we go. But at some point, we I think it is helpful if we, 36 minutes into the show, actually talk about the topic of the show. Yeah. Like we, said, <laughs> we
0: would talk about. I was like, oh, we, we're kind of late on Celsius, and we're kind of late about yeah. defensive tackle. We, but.
1: we, uh, yeah, we 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 do this all the time on the show because you all have such great questions. So it's an awesome problem. Yeah,
0: I mean, sure. it's never bad when we go right. off topic, but it's still a right. bucks topic. So right. yeah, yeah. there's nothing the wrong with that. We don't thing.
1: intend to take this long to get to, to the actual main topic, but sometimes yeah. it just
0: works out that way. Do I you think. want to start from yeah. 10 to 1 or just...
1: Yeah, so I kind of saw these defensive tackles, or let's talk about them in the groups that they're most typically talked sure. about, which is sort of in the tier that these are the first round possible guys, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis... travis jones and those have been kind of the top three the whole draft process there really has not been a lot of movement the um demarvin leal Leal was maybe in that group at the beginning of the process but it has not taken long you know since february i feel like we have been not us just us but just in general the draft community draft analysts have been pretty heavily on the first three defensive tackles off the board will probably be jordan davis Devontae wyatt and travis jones and I see Wyatt as clearly the safest bet in this group because he offers the most as a pass rusher and as a run defender in terms of a combination. Plus there is the highest ceiling with Wyatt. So it's kind of like, he, he feels kind of like a safe pick to me if all the on-fields, if all the off-field stuff is, is no longer an issue and he's matured, which it seems like, sounds like he has. So we'll, we'll see, but that'll be for teams to determine in, in the interview process. I don't really like speaking to that part. In terms of what I can evaluate, I think his floor is pretty high and his ceiling is even higher. Players like that to me are just kind of like, all right, take this guy. Like right now, sure, he probably doesn't look like your typical top 10 prospect or first round prospect, but the explosiveness is there. The violence is there. He plays incredibly hard, super hot motor all the time, chases down plays uh, and get through gaps or he can hold gaps. Um, he can rush a little bit or, you know, at Georgia, they blitzed a ton and ran a ton of games and he was a part of the schemes that got pressured wasn't always him getting the pressure but he's part of the schemes that got pressure and so to me why it's a pretty clear dt1 in this class i mean if there's a path where he doesn't end up as good as every all the other any of the other defensive tackles in this class i'm willing to like concede that with almost any player but with him i would just imagine it would be completely unrelated to on-field production if that's the case i feel like on the field you know, if you're measuring pass and run value, I would be surprised if he isn't the best defensive tackle in this class.
0: Yeah, I don't think you could ever go wrong with a Georgia defensive player in this <laughs> year's draft. And um, if we're just focusing about everything that he does on the field, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that you mentioned, by the way, John, you did a, a great job with this entire article. So just Thank awesome, awesome job it. with that. Um, you mentioned about the motor, and I think that's something that the Bucs really particularly look yeah. at. Um any player, but really on the defensive side. I mean, I think one of the things we love about Vita Vea is when he was able to uh, – you've seen a training camp a lot when, when he tracks down a runner, like 20 yards down the field, when he gets going. I remember, too uh, – it's not defensive tackle, but I think the hustle was appreciated anyway. Devin White's rookie year when they played Seattle, and Seattle busted a long run, and Devin White ran all the way down, like mm-hmm. 30, 40 yards down the field, yep, forced a fumble, that. and went out of bounds. So – it ultimately didn't matter, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bucks they, they fans, players it, yeah. in the organization, they care about that motor. And I think if you got a guy that's relentless, like you just mentioned with Wyatt and he's got that perfect combo where, you know, the Bucks aren't necessarily, as you said, like he's got the combo of pass rush and run stopper as well. And the Bucks are looking to get a little bit quicker, maybe not necessarily looking for that exact and Dom sue replacement. Um, obviously, yeah, he's the first guy off the board and, um, once again, any Georgia defensive guy, whether it's the T line, safety, whatever, like you can't really yeah. go wrong
1: there. Yeah, and that's how kind of I feel about Wyatt, too. You know, and we should just say this straight up it is clear that the Bucks are at place a very high priority on character and work ethic and leadership yeah. and those intangibles. I mean, you could see it in the way they've drafted, look at the recent classes, you can see it in the way that they, um, and the way they signed free agents, trade for players pretty much everybody at the part of the party, especially now. I mean, you know, Rojo had his brooding moments in that locker room for sure. And now he's gone and AB obviously was the big character question mark in the locker room. And now he's gone and they saw poorly. That went one bad apple. <laughs> like it's <Yeah>. just ridiculous. <laughs> they literally have a locker room of all-star human beings and he's in there and you know, you, you get the national incident. Um, So it's just a huge deal to them. I mean, the guys they brought in Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, Shaq Mason, like these guys are all just, Stand up characters, work ethic, don't miss getting, you know, they're just these kind of the kind of guys you want in the building and Joe tried shrinker, Tristan Wirth, Antoine Winfield, like this, pretty much everybody they draft is the same thing. Like they're all about creating that culture. It's a huge deal to them. And so how Wyatt interviews and, and checks out in those regards will obviously be important, but I do think most of the reports have been pretty positive that we've heard from national media throughout the process. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with him. And if the bucks are interested, but on the field, there's no question. He's the kind of player they're looking for. Worth noting as well, he's the only reported defensive tackle. We now know 14 of the team's top 30 visits. So there are some that we don't know still. He's the only, or some that haven't happened still, I should say. Right. He's the only one, the only defensive tackle so far that they've brought in on a top 30 visit. I don't know what that means. Here's what I think it means. If Wyatt's there, I think they'll draft him. If he's not there, I don't know if they'll draft a defensive tackle. Maybe day three, that's possible. I, I, I they don't love the D tackle class. Why to me is the guy that fits their bill.
0: Yeah, I think that's fine too. Like you guys obviously spoke a lot about Travis Jones recently yeah. because you had him uh, going in the first round yeah. to the Bucks at twenty seven in their in their mock draft or in your mock draft a couple of days ago. That's I don't that. know if I necessarily love Travis Jones either. Like obviously he's a big guy and a physical presence, but I like him uh, but not in the first round, and right? With yeah, Toms, with talks. Exactly. If, if you get him, at least trade back. And sometimes you have to make deal. those adjustments. Yeah, sometimes you have to make those adjustments when you're picking so late. But I think, obviously, the huge caveat to this whole thing is like if Indominus Sue is back, then again, defensive tackle, and you still have to replace Steve McClendon mm-hmm. um, if they decide that they don't want to bring him back. But at the end of the day, if you bring Sue back, sure, it would be nice to have a defensive tackle that you can groom for a year and that mm-hmm. they could start playing next year. But we could say the same thing about. The cornerback position with those two with the uh, SMB and Jamel Dean on the last year of the deal. We could say that about safety with Mike Edwards on the last mm-hmm. year of his deal and all the number one contracts or one of your contracts. We say the same thing about tight end with Cam Braden and Gronk after that. So it's not the end of the world if the Bucs don't go with a defensive tackle, whether it's in this first year or in this first round, or if it's even happens in this season at all. It really just comes down to can they get in and Sue back? I still feel like that they can, but mm. obviously if it, it's coming up soon, the draft is in a little over two weeks, as we talked about before. So if Sue isn't back by then, yeah, then it becomes a much dicier situation with just picking a defensive tackle in general.
1: Sort of, or you could just wait until after the draft, see how the
0: thing falls and then resign Sue, you know,
1: you, Sue's not going anywhere basically. So it's kind of like the Gronk situation. It doesn't really matter how long it takes him to make up his mind. As long as, there's still a roster spot, which it seems like there's going to be even if they draft a tight end or a defensive tackle. Um, and as long as you know no other team's in the picture, which it doesn't sound like no any other team is going to be in the picture for either of them. And so, uh, as long as that's the case, I, I don't feel like you should operate on any timeline except your own. I think the Bucks would like to at defensive tackle see what happens in this draft, and that could impact things so with Sue. They could say, Hey, we took Devontae White in the first round, we'd love to have you back still, but it just this now that we have this situation at defensive tackle we would have to pay you this much amount of money. And like, is that what that's as much as we're willing to go to. Are you willing to do that with us now that you see, this is really it. Like this is your last chance. If you don't get wide and you don't get a defensive tackle in this class, they maybe come back to soon and say, Hey, what did you want? Eight? One yeah. Eight? Yeah. One seven. Uh, you know, All right.
0: <laughs> we'll even give you a really yeah. nice signing.
1: Bonus yeah. See I think there's on. a mutual understanding there between <laughs> the two of them, of how this thing works. They know Sue doesn't want to play for less than his price tag and they don't want to pay his price tag without knowing it's their only option. So that's where I think things are at. And, I do think he'll sign, but I do think it'll be after the draft. We'll see. I could be totally wrong. He could sign today. I don't know. <laughs> but it seems clear. Like he's on Twitter joking about it. Like, yeah, th- this guy's coming back. You know, I just think he's coming back. If he wants to keep playing, he's coming back. Like if he wants to play, keep playing bad enough to play for maybe less than his price tag. If they draft one, he's coming back. So we'll see what happens with Wyatt. But good uh, draft, first round preference here Wyatt, Zion, Burke, or Daxon Hill. Yeah, we'll talk about Daxon Hill uh, on another spot. Ben Lieber wants to know if Wyatt's worth moving up a couple spots to secure. I. I- I would be real hesitant to move up in this class personally. Um,
0: yeah. Plus uh, like the, Bucks you need already, the picks. They don't have. Yeah, yeah don't exactly. Have That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They don't have picks. Obviously they did that a couple of years ago. They moved up one spot to get Tristan worse. And obviously that has paid off yeah. more than they probably could have even imagined or anyone really imagined. But right. yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily worth it, especially to get a defensive tackle this year. Um, and you never know. I mean, draft day, so many things, yeah. Can change i know right. there's been reports that the giants want to move out of the fifth spot i'm not saying the bucks are going to move to the fifth spot there's no way yeah. they can do that they just they don't have the this they don't have the capital this year to give that up right. and, and again it's no it's not worth it to give up like multiple first no, for that with the no. win now mode
1: but yeah you never neil asked about moving up to 15 it, for a third next year price tag would be way more than that neil uh for from 27 to 15 is a significant move I'm just, I haven't looked at the scale right now, but I'm guessing off the top of my head, if you're doing a next year
0: pick, it's going to be your next, it's going to be your first next year. So no, I would definitely not do it. But if a team would agree to that, yes. But the (laughs) deal would just never happen. (laughs) It just, yeah, I can't see that happening.
1: Um, All right, let's keep going with the defensive tackle group. The next group, I would say, if I was tiering them, the next tier would basically be Travis Jones and Jordan Davis together in that tier. And early on in the process, people remember I tweeted, I said, I think I have Jones a little bit higher than Jordan Davis and Jones was Mm. good at the senior bowl and good at the combine too. Jordan Davis's combine made me go back to the tape a little bit and value some of his plays that he makes with quickness too up front. Um, You know, he does get through gaps. He is massive. Like he is massive and he's never moved. And I didn't really have any question about that. Like he is an elite run defender. And the one thing I keep going back to with Jordan Davis is I think he's such a good run defender. That I think he might just make everybody else in your front better, or make their jobs and lives <laughs> easier. And I really wonder if that like matters. Like I don't think you can single block Jordan Davis. Like even though it's just run defense, and I know pass rushing is very valuable, and I'm I'm probably the one of the loudest people in that regard of trumpeting that every year at the draft and just talking about how important that is. But he's so good in the run and de- run defense that I'm not sure that he'll be able to be handled like a typical player will be able to be handled by at least certain schemes and concepts so i do think it will make life easier for the other players up front if you have him and even if you're against a team that's like oh jordan davis we're going to throw on first downs he is athletic like <laughs> mm. in some degree yes he is athletic for a man his size and at some point there's like that point of no return with athleticism right like you can be athletic for like Veya, for example, wasn't was athletic for his size. Right, Matt? Like he ran. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, wow. I don't forget
0: what he ran, but, you know, he's huge. And so, yeah, he, you know, he, he was running back in high school and returned. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: People, oh, he's athletic for how big he is. OK, but at yeah. some point, like. His being athletic for how big he is doesn't matter anymore. I just need him to be smaller, like than he is, and and that's it. Like, I don't really care if he's athletic for his size. If at some point his size doesn't give me any more advantage, like it's if Via is just just heavier and heavier, which was a concern coming out in the draft, hasn't been a big one in the NFL. If that were the case, like, and he was still, oh, he's he's 360, but he's athletic for his size. Well, okay, for for 360, but three being 360 hurts me. Like, he might be athletic (laughs) for 360, but it's still not doesn't mean he's athletic. Jordan Davis is huge and just athletic, period. Like, he's athletic for a defensive tackle, not for a huge, bigger than any other defensive tackle. He's athletic for a defensive tackle. Like, compared to Devontae Wyatt, he is athletic. A defensive tackle that is much smaller than him. So it is a different degree of athleticism than we're talking about when we say, oh, he's athletic for how big he is. No, he's just a freak athlete in right. his position, period. I just think that I mean he played, like, 250 snaps a year. You know, last past year with the playoffs and the fourteen games, he p- hit three hundred and sixty-eight. I think snaps for Georgia. That's the most he's ever played in a season. Matt, like he just didn't play that much on passing downs. And at some point, I have to think that, like, if he can get in shape and all this other <laughs> stuff, would you look like he's in great shape at the combine? If he can get on that level, the you know, the character reports are pretty good on him, and get with a coach that teaches pass rush. Georgia doesn't. They just run all these concepts. He could at least make a dent, maybe. Like, he didn't make a dent in college. How is that possible, Matt? He's a freak athlete and he's bigger than everybody else. Like, he just had to have not been trained at all. Or maybe it was like, if they pass, take the playoff. Like, we're saving you. I, I don't right. know, but there's no way you can be this athletic and go to the NFL and not have any impact as a rusher, in my opinion. Like, I, it'll be minimal. He'll never be a great pass rusher, I think. But, you're going to have something, and he's an elite run defender. So I, t- on that basis, I said I'll take him over Travis Jones, who might be a better pass rusher right now by a little bit, but I don't think it's enough of a, an advantage there for him to
0: offset what Davis brings you as a run defender, even though
1: Jones is, is very good in both regards, and they, they graded very closely
0: for me. Yeah, so that was that was very well explained because I was wondering. That was a lengthy explanation. No, 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 that was good, though, because <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, so what, in your opinion, separates – the one and two between the both uh, you know, between both the uh, Georgia defenders with, with wide and Davis, but you explain like, it seems like the pass rushing is probably more of a factor than anything else. So if yes. we put our, uh, if we put our bucks blinders on here, and we're just talking about specifically a fit for the bucks, I think we talked about how they're looking for more of a, you know, a guy with a little more pass rushing skill. So would it be the case where Davis wouldn't necessarily be, on well you said did you say Wyatt or Davis met with the bucks
1: uh Wyatt did Davis yeah, Wyatt, is not yeah. to any to our knowledge Davis has had no connection with the bucks at all and i by the way i just i don't think the bucks would draft Davis even if he were there i don't think he's going to be there and uh Travis Jones i i don't i think i'm on the side that i don't think i said i had said on monday i'm 50-50 on it i think i'm like 51-49 now that they don't draft Travis Jones that's how i feel about it i think so We'll keep rolling here. A couple other guys that they potentially could draft, Matt. Um, yeah. Well, I don't think they will draft him, Marvin Leal, so I won't spend a ton of time on him. I can't quit him. I've tried. I never. <laughs> I never believe the talk. I 10 see a lot happen.
0: of people tweeting at you about him, or yeah. comments in here as well too. They, he's he's got a pretty good uh, backing behind him. I see a lot of people.
1: I, yeah, I mean he's a good player. Him. Like I, he played on the edge at Texas A&M most of the time, and he was explosive enough on the edge to actually threaten offensive tackles, like at the top of the arc. That just you mm-hmm. don't see that from 283 pound people, like that is bonkers in a lot of ways. So, I do think he's a good player. There are a lot of traits there to unlock. He plays hard, but he's not used to playing inside full time. And in the NFL, again, you're 283 pounds. Like at some point, you being athletic for 283 <laughs> pounds does not do anything for me. There's no other edges that are 283 pounds for the most part playing full time out there. You're gonna have to play inside, it's a totally different world in terms of processing blocks and taking on combos and things like that. He's done it enough that he's not totally new to him, but the, the results are pretty hit and miss. He can get through gaps. He's got to be in the right scheme. I think he's got to play in rotation. He might not always be a rotation player, but the rotation reps he gives you will probably be among the more valuable rotation reps in the NFL because he is that good at getting through gaps and playing behind the line of scrimmage. If you can make plays behind the line of scrimmage in as a defensive lineman, like whether it's run or pass game or just rerouting people, rerouting backs, and you know because of your penetration. Then you at least have a role. You should at least have a role and, and get a 20, 25 snaps a game. So that's where I'm at with Leal. Um, that's how I feel about him. Logan Hall at number five for me. Tricky tape, man. It's unbelievable that it's six foot six, 283 pounds. Logan Hall plays as low as he does, Matt. Like he's on like one knee on the ground, anchoring yeah. against guys on tape on rundowns when he fires off the ball. It's actually startling to me like how flexible he is for his size he his him and dylan dylan parham the guard from memphis that will probably go somewhere in the second or third round where had a, a really good battle on tape i think parham got the better of the battle maybe but it was pretty close and they both had some good reps against each other a lot of stalemates a lot of great fights um logan hall man great athlete four eight eight four ultra physical
0: as he said in the yes
1: ultra physical six foot six But he has 32 some inch arms, Matt. And it just matters because at his height, he is probably going to lose leverage battles at some point, even as low as he plays. And it just matters. You're undersized already. You have to use every trait that you can to keep blockers off your frame. And he does no length to lock out against blockers, basically. So it's just crazy that he's got this great frame and all these other ways. And he's just got these super short arms for, for no, that's, a guy that's size. W- it's,
0: it's wild that you say that. It's funny. Cause I was talking about this with Scott yesterday. I used a boxing reference. So this will be my second boxing reference of the week. But you know, when you not, when you typically have a taller guy against a shorter guy, think of it as, you know, a pass rusher going up against an offensive tackle. But when you're boxing, the shorter guy wants to get in as closer as possible. While the yeah. taller guy that's wants right. to stay at bay because he could just reach closer and, you know get those jabs in and, and and get the hook in but you know if you're a really tall guy and trying to get that separation in the first place if you have short arms you're not going to be able to do that i mean that's just right. a a wild uh you don't see those measurements too much no
1: not for a guy his height it's pretty wild um because he's actually over six foot six and i think his work i think his toughness there's a lot of things the bucks are going to like we'll see how much they care about the length you know it'll be interesting to see how much they prioritize something like that and I do. He's an interesting player because he did play almost you you see these people ranking him as an edge defender. People I respect rank him as an edge defender. Dane Brugler, some others. I don't understand why that is. He barely played outside the tackle in college, like hardly at all. He was a defensive tackle. He is, again, athletic for his size, but he is going to be a defensive tackle in the NFL. Like he's going to play inside most downs.
0: I think some people might get confused, too, because when you when you scout and you rank like offensive tackles, sometimes you'll see guys that you say, oh, they're better fit for a center Mm -hmm. or a guard in the NFL. But you don't really see that on the defensive side where you have a guy that's played defensive tackle. Then all of a sudden, yeah, we're going to throw him outside like that doesn't necessarily work. Defensive tackles are just you know slower in general so right yeah it's crazy how that works long yeah. lost glazer
1: says john hates short arms like matt hates keeping his hand still <laughs> yeah you know what <laughs> it's I, of, are, I do it too but i'm below yeah. the camera i'm I
0: italian it. i just i do, i, I, I tried holding on to a pen if that would change so, <laughs> i might have to just i don't know
1: no it's that's good i
0: weights on it's just it's natural it's natural that i do yeah. that so i'll uh, try to work I, on it though yeah
1: <laughs> i do i don't dislike short arms in general i don't think it's always a big deal i think it's it, it, it's hard when you're taller and it's hard when you're lighter. I think those are the times where yeah. it's hard because like guys like DeForest Buckner, like he struggles with his pad level a little bit, but I shouldn't say struggles because it doesn't really matter for him. He can just control people and throw them around. And, and there's some other players too. But anyway, I just, I don't think it's always a big deal. Like Devontae Wyatt only has, you know, what, 33 inch maybe a little bit longer mm-hmm. than Logan Hall, but not, but he, his center of gravity is so much lower and he's so much quicker off the ball and he's heavier. So it's just going to, there's a lot of factors that, in fact, scientifically, like if he's getting off the ball quicker, he's going to get into you, into your pads before you get into his, regardless of how short or long his arms are. So it's, it's, again, it's just an advantage for him in that way. It doesn't really hurt him to have shorter arms and his arms aren't that short, but for Hall, who's not as quick off the ball and already going to be one of the lighter defensive tackles in the NFL, unless he can bulk up, which he could, I don't know how much athleticism he'll lose, but he could bulk up from 283. He's, he's not likely all who is the same weight but does not have the room to to grow. He's like three inches shorter than Hall. He doesn't have the room to to put on weight. So that is the one thing. We could see Logan Hall's best tape in front of him, best play in front of him, but we just – I don't know yet. I like him, though. I do like him, and right. I my grade reflects that. I think he could be you know, a solid player in the NFL.
0: John, before we go any further on this list, I just want to tell all of our readers mm-hmm. and viewers about pin chasers. Uh, Pinchasers Bowling Alley, a proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, have been for years. The owner Anthony Peroni is a huge Bucks fan that has uh, season tickets to the Bucs. So if you go to any of the Pinchasers, you will be supporting a fellow Bucks fans. But the great thing about Pinchasers is that um, it's more than just going to a bowling lane. They have great different deals literally every single day. They just combined. Two of their nights, the all-you-can-eat pizza and all-you-can-bowl, they combined that for Tuesdays. They were what? tweeting about that yesterday, so that's a pretty sick deal. They have a, an arcade area for kids if you want to bring your family, if you want to throw a birthday party there. Um, you can keep the kids entertained. Even if they don't want to bowl the whole time, they can also go and uh, you know play the arcade. It's fun to bring clients out. Peter Report has had multiple different events there with either uh, networking with our fellow clients or um, we set up couple of different charity events there, whether it's Martin Gramatica or Mike Allstott. We've been involved with that. And the food is fantastic. It's extremely, extremely underrated. Um, and they bring it right to you as well, too, which is great. Um, You just order right then and there. Mets score another run. Let's go. You order right then and there. They bring it right to you. And um, like I said, it's very underrated. Uh, they got do- Dollar Miller Lights a lot, too. Oh, so many different deals. So just make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party for your family and friends because um, it's always a great time when you're out there. So thank you to pinchasers for being a sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Pinchasers.net. Check it out. Yeah. Uh,
1: John, is John giving Logan Hall a poor man's to force Bunker cop ceiling? No, I'm just talking about the guys. There's not many defensive tackles that are above six foot six. So when you're looking <laughs> for those comparisons, you kind of go to people like Buckner or K- class Campbell or i mean golston too you know you could go to i i think golston is 6'6 somewhere somewhere around there and golston didn't have super long arms so but golston struggles with his pad level too you know at times that's probably his biggest nfl struggle i would say as a run defender is his pad level uh, consistency with hall it's i don't see that being as big of a struggle but the fact that he's lighter and the fact that he doesn't have length you know DeForest buckner for example like almost 34 and a half inch arms i believe chris jones you know some of these guys that are pad level concerns but they've super quick off the ball and they have super long arms. So anyway, some physical comparisons to maybe think about. Um, and Bucks fan is right. He's the youngest defensive lineman in that top 10 old draft class in general. Like it's <laughs> just old. You got to accept <laughs> the age thing. Like I was just looking at oh, my, he's already 23. Like, yeah, just because of the COVID thing, it threw everything off. Yeah. The, so, yeah that's yeah. true. So that, that made it. Okay. I'm not going to go through every other defensive tackle on the list, but I am going to tell you the one defensive tackle that I believe Matt could be, I think he could be the guy that the Bucks draft in this class, and we'll wrap it up on this. If the Bucks don't draft a defensive tackle early, and they go into round four, and their fourth round pick comes up, whether they one thirty three or something like that in the fourth yeah. round, I believe that Tennessee's Matthew Butler is going to be the day three defensive lineman that the Bucks take.
0: Ah, the I, uh, the diamond in the rough that you mentioned—that if there is one, it would be him.
1: If there is one, yeah, I, I'm definitely not saying it's him. And Scott, does, Scott is not a big Butler fan. We talked about him today. I, I wouldn't even say I'm a big fan, but a, a good enough athlete, a good enough frame, you know, 6'4", 297, plays with a decent pad level. Sometimes he's a bull in a china shop, kind of like Perrion Winfrey, um, not quite as violent or powerful as Winfrey, but probably a little bit more nuanced to his game than somebody like Winfrey who's just crazy to watch. Um, <laughs> I I think Butler, you know, they rave about him, captain. He, he thinks click this past year was his most productive year, coming off a strong year. He's a team captain. He's work ethics great. As D-line coach called him, probably the smartest player he's ever coached. A lot of things that the Bucks looked in that for in that degree. Probably a three technique, explosive in his first step. There's potential there for with further development that he could be a pass rusher. That just isn't the case with most of the guys in this class you know it could be with winfrey but i we you know scott and i've reported before we've heard the bucks aren't crazy about him fedarian mathis alabama not going to be a pass rusher i, I don't. Yeah. i don't really he was see a guy Ridgeway. that disappointed
0: at the senior bowl too because remember like yeah. he was one of the the mark one of the speakers, guys yeah. that yeah that we spoke to and then and I like, didn't he's really, to three. <laughs> yeah i didn't really see anything from him at the senior no. bowl where on winfrey was the guy that really stood yeah. out to me there and Obviously, you guys said that the Bucs aren't really that interested in him. The thing that I liked about him, too, again, when you're thinking about the Bucs is that he actually had a couple of different pass rushing moves where a Mm -hmm. lot of defensive linemen, the knock against them is that they just try to bull rush and overpower you with physicality where Winfrey is already a big guy and he brought some pass rushing moves to the table. Um, There's obviously issues with his his pad level. He has to get lower when he's already uh, a big guy as it is, but he would be a player... That I would have been interested if the Bucs want to look at him from the fourth round on. But again, clearly that doesn't seem to be the case.
1: Well, I mean, you never know. Like Scott, you know, that's what Scott's been saying on the pod. But I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think I thought Winfrey would be one of the guys in the radar. I thought, you yeah. know, if they didn't get Wyatt, then I thought Winfrey and Butler would be the two guys later in the draft that are on the radar. It seems like Winfrey's gonna go higher than the Bucks. Maybe that's why there isn't the you know the, that he may go higher. Butler to me is like the the day three version of Winfrey. Uh, who I have in day three as well. Great. But uh, it seems like he's going to go higher in, in the mind of other te- of teams um, because I think that there are, is enough there um, to kind of be excited about him a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I saw somebody said he did 17 reps on the bench press. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it strikes a concern on tape. His frame also rocked up. So that is a very surprising number. I don't know what happened there and I don't know whether he didn't bench his pro either. So I don't know. If- I don't think he did anyway. No, I don't see a bench. Oh, oh, he has a pec injury. That might be what happened at the combine. Yeah. Well, was that what happened? He, he somebody pulled did pull out with a pec injury during their bench. Might have been
0: multiple. Games. I just remember I where, that like happened. all the. <laughs> was it the receivers were like literally? I think that's everyone, why he stopped at everyone 17. declined except for like one player to do the bench press. Yeah, I think well, it was so something receiver, like that. It was like yeah. they
1: all announced they weren't doing. It the yeah, and he was like, "And
0: I am doing the bench press, yeah. whatever it was." That's
1: yeah, funny. so I think he could be the day three guy. That's the one to me that they would say, "Okay, let's take this guy. Let's develop him with our round four pick. You know, let's do I don't know first corner in the first round, and then let's do tight end, running back, and then when we'll take a D tackle day four or uh, day three and develop him. And maybe they trade back and add picks and that changes all that. But anyway, that's how I see uh, the. Um, I do not have spectrum internet. Did my internet do something? No, do you were good today. Spectrum. Okay. You all were uh right, Maybe on it was your plus. spectrum internet, Steven. Ever yeah. think about that? Yes,
0: Steve. Because I think? don't
1: have spectrum. Yeah.
0: Frontier. I got all the frontier. Way. Yeah. What up? Yeah. <laughs> Holding
1: that baby all cute in that Abbey. Yeah, that's a very cute baby. <laughs> Great baby, Steven.
0: Great baby. So get that um, baby some good internet. Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh go over to pewterreport.com check out my top 10 defensive tackles if you want to if you don't that's fine I, i'm not gonna make it. but tomorrow we'll be back on the show we got some other cool stuff lined up we got we're gonna talk more about draft prosper. i think tomorrow i don't want to say for sure but i think we're gonna finally talk about running backs on the podcast Ooh. and i, I want to hear the fans opinions on this too but also excited to get into some of these backs and see who could be good fits um for the bucks um so yeah i think uh Could be an advantage there. Uh, We get to talk about that on a Thursday. It might be nice going into the weekend. Right now, it's been like a million reports on running backs for the Bucs. There's like, it's just crazy. It feels like you're going to meet with every running back in the draft. (laughs) So we'll talk about that. I think tomorrow on the show, still on the lookout. What's going to happen with Gronk? What's going to happen with Sue Uh, before the draft? uh, We'll keep you informed as always. Make sure you check in tomorrow. Soon, my tight end rankings are going to be up at pewterreport.com as well as Scott's uh, Fab Five. Coming up this Friday as well. So stay tuned for all that. And don't forget the draft show's coming up at the end of the month. So we're going to be live for all seven rounds of the NFL draft, the whole entire yes, thing, the whole team I can't wait. At one buck place at the Advent Health Training Center. It's going to be awesome. So we're excited for it. Can't wait. And so uh make sure that you are subscribed to the P Report TV YouTube channel and that you hit the thumbs up on this video. Give us a like and help out boost our algorithm as well. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. We appreciate y'all. Thanks so much. We'll catch you again tomorrow in another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast.
0: Have a lovely day. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Out. Go Mets.